This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Can't get enough of the fan in the morning? Shown up. Because this is nothing like that. Working. Alan Jerry are here with stories they'd never get to cover on the morning show. Very sexy robot. Hey, look at that pig. Shenanigans. Naked yoga. My mother had a bad experience with these ghosts. Let's hump the fence. It's Alan Jerry's post-game podcast. All right, here we go. Podcast for you on a gloomy Thursday. So uh, a couple of days of Schizari, a day of uh, Flegelman, who was exhausted from going to the Met game last night, and rightfully so. And today, it's Big Zoo. What's up, man? Oh, what's good, Jerry? What a two, baby. Uh, I don't know what that means. I, I imagine you're saying, how are you? I'm good. I'm doing all right. Yeah, I'm doing good. Um, so... If you listen to the podcast, which you probably don't, but I know you've actually run it a couple of times and recorded it, so you do know, and you're also aware of Al, um, guys (laughs) like Al and and Giannotti are very into physical fitness these days, and I would like to applaud you for the work you've done so far, but now I'm intrigued by how you've done it. Now you're down, what, 30 pounds, 25 pounds? Just about 30 pounds. And how long? In, let's see, we're going into week four. Well, we're in week four right now. I 30 start. pounds in four weeks? Yep. Holy crap. Hey, that's so, what happens when you got a lot of, you know, water weight, like oh, dude, initial no, fat it. weight. You cut out soda. You cut out all those so things. So I was just going to ask yeah. you. So take me through um, the diet on a – give me give me an example of what the diet was yesterday, and then give me an example of what your weight training regimen is right now. Okay, it's probably better to not go by yesterday because yesterday w- working these hours for all me. Right, so what do you? But so on a regular give me a good day, day, yes. On a regular day, what I do is I wake up, um, I get out, I go either on the bike in my house. That First I thing when you wake up. Yep. Or I go for a nice like two two plus mile walk. Okay. Which also helps me clear my head, get in the right space. So that's kind of really nice for me. I come back home, drinking some water, eat a banana. Get the potassium in the system, replenish yourself a little bit. I like to hang out a little bit. Then I'll read. I'm reading actually the uh, the American Prometheus right now, which is the uh, book on uh, Dr. Robert Oppenheimer. Oh, okay. Uh, saw the movie Oppenheimer yep, and it yep. inspired me. But um, so I'm reading that a little bit, and then I'll go to the gym. And then when I get back from the gym, protein shake. I usually like have a little bit of like a granola bar mm-hmm. or something like that. Of, you know, whatever I can grab really. And then for dinner, I'm having chicken or turkey, or I'm just eating a straight salad. Chicken and turkey, of course, are being added with carrots. So you've replaced breakfast and lunch essentially with a lot of water and a banana and then a protein shake in the afternoon, and then you're having a meal. Yep, pretty much. Wow. I mean, I'm not like – I'm trying to keep it up so that I can – 
you know, I, I'm trying to make sure I have enough to get through the day. Yeah, sure. Because I want to limit my calorie intake right now because it got really high. You know, or got really high. It was really high for a really long time. All right, like so let's re- five thousand plus. So that's right. Let's rewind. Yeah. So prior to you agreeing to do this, and I know you've done this before, but prior to you agreeing to do this this time around, you were you would say you were at five thousand calories a day. Uh, maybe not because th- I didn't. I had a problem eating consistently. Okay. So I wouldn't necessarily eat consistently, but then I would go, you know, I'd be driving and I would be like, all right, let me stop at Mickey D's and I'd be starving. So I would grab a 20 piece, a large mm-hmm. fry, you know, uh, a big large soda. Coke, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'd throw something else in there too, like a McDouble or, a, Got it. you know, McChicken. So you might have a 2,000 calorie meal. Yep, right there. In a spot like that, which, oh. by the way, doesn't even sound that crazy. Dude, because you list off the things that you have. Like, I was looking at it the other day because I'd woken up late and I didn't want to go to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. I was feeling lazy. I'm like, you know what? Is there anything healthy I can get? And I ended up finding a salad works, which worked. But I'm going through all the fast food chains. And I'm like, jeez. hard. I'm like, the lowest thing that I can get at any of these places that is a, a meal would be like telling them, oh, okay, well, hey, I want the the patty and the and the lettuce. Like, mm-hmm. no. Yeah, I'm good. I'm not going to Mickey D's if that's well, the case. But that's also the problem with not just fast food. That's the problem with going out to dinner. So, mm-hmm. you know, Al, I'm, I'm, I'm much like him. I try to do things. But a lot of times the best thing to do to get out of the house is go out to dinner. Absolutely. It's sociable. Everybody sits together. It's fun. You have a drink. But you don't know how they're cooking stuff. And now mm-hmm. a lot of restaurants, not all of them, but a lot of restaurants have the calories on the menu. And it's like, wait, time out. Yeah. That is four... A salad is fourteen hundred calories. Like, what or, are you putting in there? Yeah, and then and and you don't know how much butter they're cooking with well, and oil, and it's really that, awful. That was the thing I was gonna I was gonna say because when you go out to like most restaurants, but specifically I'm gonna say steak that steak restaurants, yeah, butter, yeah, through the roof. Like that little piece of steak that you're telling yourself is really healthy. Oh, it's just protein. No, it's not just protein. There's probably like. An eighth of a stick of butter that was just thrown on yeah. top of that thing. And now, depending upon who you well. who you listen to, some will tell you there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. The yeah. butter's fine. And listen, that is fine. If it works but for it, you, do it. It just goes to the point of how they're cooking things as opposed to when yep. you cook it at home. Yeah. That's all. You can't control that. You can't right. say to yourself, okay, I'm only going to use a little sliver of butter here. Yes. Give it a little flavor. You, you know have what I mean? no idea what they're doing. Exactly. For all you know, they're cooking five steaks at a time, throwing a stick of butter in there. Yeah. And then it's all anybody's game. Check out Chef Baker. Chef, Chef, oh, what is his name? Oh, Ralph the Baker on Instagram. Ralph the Baker on the gram. I got yes. What is he? What is he? Not clearly. He's a baker. He's like a Pastries? Louisiana barbecue guy. Oh, not even barbecue. It's like on the grill outside. Okay. And he starts everything with a gigantic stick of butter, and in some cases, a bucket of butter. Ooh, that's that southern cooking right there. You got to see. Check it out. Check it oh, out when man. we're done. So anyway, all right, so we rewind. So sometimes 5,000 calories. Yeah. So now you're where you're at now. Yeah, I'm probably going at about 1,500 a day right now, okay. give or take, which is a big time cut. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, especially in, you know, in 5,000 is probably a peak. Or maybe not a peak. It probably went higher than that. But, you know, we're probably talking consistently over 3,500. Okay. You know? So that 2,000 drop is a big initial hit. That's huge. And, I mean, I started out slow because, listen, I I understand my body. I've done a lot of work on my body through the years. I haven't done it in a long time. But I know, like, how my body works. And I know how bodies work when they're my size. Mm-hmm. So I didn't jump into this. I'm not – even right now, I'm not on a bike, like, actual bike yet. 
because I don't want to buy one and mess it up and then have to buy a new one. I'm not running outside because my knees can't take sure. that at this point in time. And I actually, I don't really have the best of uh, hips or ankles as well because of football, but that's a whole different story. Um, and I am just kind of going to the gym right now. I start my day off with a nice 10 minute, whatever I can get on elliptical typically is my go-to because it gets me the best workout. Now this is after when you wake up in the morning and do the walk or yep. the inside bike. This is when you get to the gym now. Yep. Okay. When I'm at, this is, yeah, this is probably about like 12 o'clock every day. Got LA it. fitness, one of the best gyms. No, uh, no plug there. I guess mm -hmm. a plug, a but, bit. uh, <laughs> but no, so I get there, I do that. And I'm sweating my ass off because I wear a sweatshirt. I okay. wear sweatpants. I like to I like to sweat. And then I go get on the machines. Right now I'm doing small weight, high repetitions, okay, high sets because I'm trying to just gain back a lot of muscle and get it back going. Yeah. And it, I got to tell you, every t and this is every time this happens for me, but for some reason. I guess if we want to get really real, we don't have to dive into this too much. But if we want to get really real, my depressed mind sometimes just kills it for me. And it tells me, no, that's no, you don't want to do that. No, you don't want to do that. And then I'm in the gym and I feel like a kid again, because that's what I that's what I think of when I was in my childhood. Because okay. when I was in high school, yeah, I did parties. I did all that kind yeah. of stuff. But I never smoked pot. I never did any any other drugs that became popular right. around that time. Um, and I took sports incredibly seriously. So get, getting back in there and you know, starting to feel like, you know what? I want to get back to my PRs. Yeah, yeah. I want to get back to squatting over 400 plus pounds. I want to get back to bench pressing close to 300. You know what I mean? Well, it's, like, it's like hitting that line yep. to where you can't do it, you can't do it, and all of a sudden now you're addicted to doing it. Oh, I love it, and yeah. and I'm like that. And uh, you kind of said that yesterday. You, I forget what you said exactly, but it it nailed it right on the head. I have a very addictive almost personality. That's why I stay away from certain things right. because I know how my mind works. Um, I'm all or nothing in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And right now, the way that I'm committed to this, you're all in. Oh, it's great, and it feels great. Yeah, it feels great not only physically but like mentally. And, Jerry, I said this to Evan one day when I was just talking to him. And I'll say it to you right now. Sometimes you don't know how bad of a place you're in mentally until you finally start to get to a good place. Yeah, sure. And over the last, like, month, I've or maybe longer, actually, a lot longer, probably since the show, mm -hmm. uh, the live show, where we, you know, where me and Gallo got the yeah, opportunity, yeah. Yeah. that opportunity. Ever since then, my mind has started to clear up. And I'm now adding the physical to it is like giving me the clarity that I I feel like I haven't had in so long. Well, they go hand in hand too. I mean, once you start feeling better, your body starts reacting differently, mm -hmm. and you feel good. You're gonna think good, and you're gonna have a lot more interest in doing things. Absolutely. I mean, it's like it's 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 really crazy how that works because your mind will just completely screw you over. Yeah. Because you'll sit there and you'll tell yourself. All these things, and I still do. Like I, I hosted my first show the other day, and I, I'm coming out of there, and I'm like, ah, this, 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 and I'm like, kind of getting on myself a little bit, and it's, it's just one of those things where, for me, uh, for me especially, because, and I think everybody too, like it's not just me, but like, just talking from my perspective, yeah, it absolutely can just cripple me at times, and that's what, I mean, listen, I, I shouldn't 
look like this. I hate that I look like mm -hmm. this. And that's part of the reason why I was in such a bad place yeah. is that I look at myself in the mirror and I see that dude who is, you know, lifting still, who is in the gym, who is that guy. And that's how that's why when I'm like good, when I'm when I'm happy in my happy moments, that's why I act the way I do. And that's why I am the way I am right now. But then those times where I'm just sitting there and things pile up and you just start to look in the mirror and you go, man, you're just a joke. Like, you feel like you're a joke. I did. And it had to change. Like, it had to change mentally because I had to start, I had to start making it where I can do things for myself, where I'm going to bat for myself, where I'm not just sitting back and waiting for things to happen to me. I got to do it because I can. Mm -hmm. And everybody can. We all can. And that's, the, that's one of the bigger things that I've, I've, I've taken away from this is just keep doing the thing. I was at the gym yesterday, and I'm, like, dying. I'm, like, you know, walking over. I'm dying. And then I get in there. I'm, like, oh, God. Got to do the elliptical. Start the first minute and a half. I got a Little League game on in front of me. I'm, like, all right, all right. You know, this is, oof, we're moving. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Legs are feeling rough today. And then you get, you know, seven and a half minutes in, and you're, like, oh, come on. Eight and a half. You're, like, mm. And then finally you get you to break through. You get there and you're like, wow, I'm yeah. done. Now I don't have to do this anymore today. Yeah. And it's a beautiful feeling. Like I heard this on a podcast one time. A dude said, I hate going to the gym. He's a professional wrestler, this guy. So in good shape. I hate going to the gym. But once I get there and I start lifting and I start doing my thing, I am, I'm, I'm saying to myself, why the hell didn't I want to come? Well, and that's so that whether when you discuss so, all right, let's take it back to when I played football in, I guess, well, grammar school and then in high school. And I would think I loved game day. I loved playing. I hated and despised practice. And it wasn't that really? I didn't like throwing the ball around. It wasn't that I didn't like playing. I played linebacker one year. One year oh. I played safety. Uh -huh. One year I was just a wide receiver that never got the ball thrown because I wasn't very good at that. But it wasn't like I didn't like that. I loved game day. And I loved throwing the ball around and doing that stuff. What I hated was the constant, constant screaming at and the extra laps. And, like, this ain't motivating me. And there's a lot of people it does. Didn't stop me from playing. I showed up every day to, for practice, but I hated it. And then I'd walk off practice, and, yeah, it wasn't so bad, and I'm, I wish I could feel this way going in like I do coming out. And I think it's like the gym, too. Most people, I can't think of anybody, that doesn't walk out of the gym that feels accomplished, that feels good about themselves, and in that moment says, I can't wait for 24 hours to go by so I can come back tomorrow. The problem is 23 hours later, you're like, Ugh, I could do that again. And yet you sit there and say, like, why does the mind go there when you know you're going to enjoy it, mm -hmm. you know it's good for you, and it's just it puts you in a place you need to be. Yeah. It, it, Bizarre. It releases the, uh, the proper um, dopamine in your brain for me. And I think it does for everybody, too. I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but I think it does. And listen, if you're somebody who is like me, you know, a big body, you know, you don't have to be 300-plus pounds. You, you could just be at 18 to 20% body fat and not, you know, like the way you look. For sure. If you feel that way, you can do it. It's you can do this. Like, you can go out and you can make that change for yourself. Nobody's going to do it for you. That's why I always say DIY, 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 do it yourself. Yeah. Nobody, 
nobody. Don't rely on anybody else. Mm-mm. Not not in today's world. No. Not in any day's world. Because can't. at the end of the day, you got your family and you got you. And in order to be there for your family, you have to take care of you. Yeah, because without you, then you're gone. Exactly. <laughs> that exactly. Is very, it's funny you mentioned the um, the exercise with the hip and the knee and all that. So in 2012, and everyone listening to the podcast, if you've been listening for a long time, you know that I did Insanity with Al and Eddie and, and Tommy. Uh, didn't go so good for Eddie. He tried. He really did try, but couldn't do it. Um, Al did it to a certain point, but didn't do it very long and didn't really need to lose all that much weight. Yeah. And Tommy didn't need to lose weight, he but was kind of did it. I was the one person that needed to lose weight. It was exactly what I was looking for. And was at a stage where I was just coming off another routine that I wasn't really into anymore, but I was ready for it, ready for it. And I lost whatever I think it was thirty pounds in the sixty days. I mean, it was it was awesome. It was. Here's my problem though now, because of my back. So I did insanity from 2012 steadily through 2015 or 16. Me and once that whole thing ended, me and a friend of mine, Mark, a really good friend of mine, did it with me every day, six days a week. And for those four years, best shape I've ever been in. And I look at pictures, I'm like, damn, my face was thin. <laughs> now, I didn't have a six-pack. I wasn't that. Yeah. But I was in much better shape than I am now, and I weighed about 170, 160, between 168, 170. I mean, that's a nice, that's a nice it weight. It was perfect. Yeah. It was, for me, it was perfect. So every time I want to get back into an exercise routine, though, since the pandemic, when I lost a lot of weight being home and eating nonstop out of the refrigerator, yeah, of course. I've been up probably back to that pre-insanity weight of about 200 pounds. That's where I've been living right now. Okay. 30 pounds heavier than I want to be. Mm-hmm. Every single program I put on bores me. Mm. I put it on. I'm excited to start. Five minutes in, I'm like, yawn. It's <laughs> be, and here's this yeah. is my theory, and I don't know if this is accurate. It's just me knowing my body. The rush I got from that insanity program has never once been matched since. Mm. It, I don't know if you ever did the program. I've done, I think my... I think that's the one my aunt used to have, so I think I probably with did it Sean once or T. Twice. Yeah, that I did interval it with her once or twice. rapid interval training. Yep, I love that stuff. Where you're talking, well, I did. I used to love that stuff. It's basically <laughs> round one. If I remember, I got to remember. It's been a few years now. Round one is like four or five exercises, starting at 30 seconds a pop. Right into the next one, you get 15 seconds. No, you get 30 seconds off, and you're right into round yep. two, which is now 45 seconds each exercise right into a 30-second break and then into round three of the same exercises, and it's rapid fire, and it's 45 minutes, and you are dripping sweat, and it's all body weight, oh. and you feel amazing. The problem is there is so much jumping yeah. that I loved. Uh, Zoo, when I tell you I can't get out of bed the next day because oh, yeah. I have a bad disc, I have a slipped disc in my back, <laughs> It that activates it. Yeah. And so I get through a day or two, I feel great, and then I wake up, I'm like, oh, I did it again. No. And then a friend of mine's like, well, why don't you do squats instead of jumping? It's not the same. Mm-hmm. It's just not the same. It's not. And that for and it's, it's an excuse, 100%. But damn, I, I that rush has been hard to duplicate. Can I, uh, can I throw something at you here? Yeah. So I am a big, I mean, you might have tried this before, you might not have. I'm a big yoga guy. Yeah, no. I, no. Tried it. Not, yeah. It bores me. It just bores me. Well, I I do, uh, so I sometimes I when, I'll do this starting probably in September, get back into yoga, but sometimes I'll go to meditation type yogas, but I also have a, it's called, are you a wrestler, did you watch wrestling in the 90s at all? No, when I was a kid in the 80s. Okay, so you don't know this guy, but Diamond Dallas Page. I've heard of him. So he owns a yoga studio down in Atlanta. 
he does a program, DVDs and stuff, yep. now it's an app. I started doing that a while back, and it's a lot more, it's maybe a little bit more physical. He makes it more entertaining because he's just an entertaining guy. Right. I mean, so that to me, maybe if you get, mm. if you got a free trial there, maybe try that out. Maybe. maybe you could, because I think the thing is, is if you can, I don't know, maybe get through that hump of the, all right, this is boring, and then get to like maybe the second, third week of it. Maybe. You might. But I got to fight through those couple yeah. of weeks to get to that line we were talking about. Yep. Well, that's a, that's another thing that I used to hear a lot when I was in college more than anything else. Uh, you know, it takes 21 days to create a habit. Yeah, sure. Sure. You I've know, heard so that. That's about right. I'm like, that's that was one of the things for me, too. Like, I got past that three-week mark, and I'm like, okay, let's keep going now because now. Yep. And, and I started noticing myself just going, all right, let's get up and go. Like, yesterday I said to myself, like, I, even though I was dragging because I was just tired. You still were never not going. Yeah. my Like, at one point I was like, I looked at my phone, and I'm like, okay, you've been sitting here for an hour and a half. Let's go. And I just mm-hmm. jumped up. And then I smiled. I was yep. like, you know what, dude? Good. Good let's for you. Let's go. That's who you are. And that's who everybody else can be, too. Man. I agree. I got to tell you, this was quite inspirational. Uh, I got one more thing for yeah, you. Go ahead. Real quick. Going to the gym. And, I, and like I said, I haven't been really in the gym for a while. I, I got I to gotta ask, and I don't know, maybe you would know the etiquette better than me. Are we really wearing khaki pants, no shoes, and football jerseys now? Because I've uh, seen like I three seen that dudes. One. Three dudes barefoot in khakis or jeans wearing football jerseys. No, I haven't seen that one. Yeah. But I haven't been in the gym. Yeah, sure. I but don't know. I'm looking at these guys, and I'm like, uh, that just, I mean, like, listen, I, you, maybe you want to look good, but there's no way that feels good when you're chafing. I would think that feels terrible, especially yeah. if your legs are sweating a little bit. You're wearing jeans. Oh, like you're doing a lunge, and all of a sudden your pants rip, and you yeah. look like a fool with your socks off. And I think I'll pass on that one. Yeah. I mean, I've been to, um, you know, MMA gyms where you take your shoes and sneakers off, that's, and that's how you work out, but not in jeans and jerseys. Yeah, not when everybody else has shoes no. on walking around the place. You know, there's a couple hundred people that don't not have their shoes off. at all, man. Yeah, you that threw kidding. me off. That, uh, yeah. that would throw me off, too. So, Well, thank you for doing this. Oh, I appreciate you You hang in there. Me. Keep doing what you're doing. Oh, we will. We will. And I'm sure we will uh, be doing this at some you point You ever want to talk, call me, man. Hey, I appreciate that, brother. I know. I get a bad rap around here for being an angry person. That's that is wrong. Nah, Jerry, that I understand you. I understand you really well. All Maybe right. not really well, but I get a lot of your well point. enough. Yeah. See, well where enough. other people think things are angry, I understand your pay. I understand what it, you're saying because you, I feel it too. You know what it does? It leads me to appreciate what we have. Yep. Because otherwise, you look at the world and you just see whatever. Yeah. You know, you have to sometimes think about all these these things that happen. Like, you know that the fact that you could die, and this is sad. Yes. You could die. We could die walking out of here right now. You Never see kid, us again. Man. And it's no joke. I yeah. when I like you have to you have to respect your life with that. And how fragile life. it is. Yep. And it, that's 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 why it's time for this man yes. to lose the weight. And read the newspaper. It happens every day. Yep. That's why when, as funny as it is, and Boomer's had a blast with it, and that's fine, and I made fun of myself too. But when my face was gushing blood a month ago, I literally told my father, get me out of here. I do not want to bleed out and die in front of my kids. Like, that's what I said to him. Yeah. Like That thought goes through your head. I never cut myself on the no. forehead. I never realized it was such a, um, a fragile. Yeah, it's a gusher. Yes, I didn't know that. And so when I put the towel up to it and the blood starts soaking through down my wrist, mm-hmm. like, holy, what did I do? Ugh. 
So that's where, like, I went on vacation last week. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed every second of it. I played golf with my younger son yesterday. I enjoy every second of it. Damn right. So people can have the perception. They can shove it up their ass. <laughs> I am the opposite of what some people think. But you know what? So perception ain't reality, Jerry. People it's try not, to tell us it is. That's one of those new school things that people like. It's not in my life. I can mm-hmm. tell you that. So, Damn right, baby. Zoo, good stuff. I'm always around. And then uh, we have the warm-up show coming up next with Fleelo, Flegelman and CeeLo. So you need to do the see a thing at the end, and then we are clear. Zoo! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning, campers! Alan Jerry. Don't worry, it's only an hour long, and most days it doesn't suck. Oh, good morning, good morning, good morning. Happy Thursday. You got Fleelo, another day of Mike Fliegelman and Chris Lepresti on the warm-up show here on The Fan for the next hour or so until Boomer and Jerry come your way at 6 as we get you off and rolling here on a Thursday morning. Uh, I slept here, and Fliegelman couldn't have got much sleep because he was at City Field last night. What the heck are you doing? A nice three-plus hour game in the pitch clock era just watching... The minutes tick right on by <laughs> for a riveting Mets-Cubs game with zero on the line for the New York Mets. At but least they it was got a fun a time with family. They, yeah. yeah, you know what? Zeus said that at this point. I'm kind of one of those fans that says, you know, if they lose and get that top six pick and it doesn't have to move down in the draft, I'm okay with Not that. Not when you're in the building, though. You don't want to – did you stay till the end last I, night? Well, here's what – yes. because so we went You don't with, want to see Phil Bickford blow the game in the I, ninth inning. that, I don't care about. What All I right. care about is – I don't want to see all the Cubs fans who made the trip and they're cheering. I don't want to see them enjoy themselves. So the only reason I'm still rooting for my team is because I don't want those road fans to have that experience. <laughs> that's pretty That's pretty cold, actually. Listen. If you don't really care about the results of the game and you're saying, ah, draft pick will be better, let the let the visitors, let the travelers and the tourists feel good on, about their trip to New York. No? no? Go back to Chicago. Go back to the Windy City. Take your... Pizza that's not really pizza with you. Have you been to Wrigley? I have not. Okay. Have you ever been to Chicago? I have not. All right. I was going to say, you've been out there. Did you not get any hospitality from the Cubs fan? I've been to just outside Chicago, where that's where I got to try deep dish. That was, Was I guess, close to 
It was, yes. I figured that, yeah. If it wasn't Met-related or Jet-related. Well, it was actually when I was in school, we were covering a Big Ten tournament. Okay. Oh, for hoops. Not football. See, I would have figured football. Okay. Yeah, I guess there wouldn't... Which school is even Northwestern outside? Northwestern is close. It's close to Chicago? Like within, what, an hour or so? I think it, I think it's within like an hour, hour and a half. All right. no, it's not, not too far. Fair enough. Fair enough. So you get home at what time? Last night. Well, so, I mean, <laughs> this ride home, just looking at yeah, the GPS, I mean, we get we get in the car. You stay the whole way, so now you're with so the traffic. So we also stay the whole way. My father-in-law, we go every year, Mets, Cubs, he's a Cubs fan. Okay, so this was not like a last-minute thing. This no, no, has no, this been on is, the right. schedule for a while, and obviously it was supposed so, because, to be a more important game. And because game it's or, close, he wants to stay. The, I, I totally, I knew going in that unless this is a blowout, either way, we're staying till the end. We get in the car, it says 57 minutes home. All right, not that bad. Time just keeps creeping up of and up and up. There's road closures Are you a ways here. Guy? There's road You're closures a ways there. Guy? No, we just had regular. My wife was driving because she was a little concerned that I might be too tired, so she drove. Uh, you know, listen. That based on how I was feeling in the car, she was not wrong. <laughs> so just watching that GPS, looking over, looking at my phone, mm-hmm. trying to follow the Yankee game, and looking at the GPS. Oh, cool! An extra three minutes. Look at the phone for a little bit. Oh, cool! Extra four minutes. Ended up getting home. When we first got in the GPS, it said it was like eleven seventeen. Yeah, yeah, had to be close to midnight. Got back eleven forty seven. Okay, so you got home. Nice road closure going over the outer bridge. You, you, did, oh, <laughs> you did beat me because I got here at about midnight after uh, SMY last night. So you probably were slipping into bed as I was laying down on the couch. I, well, now, of course, I, I had I the commute out on of the, the couch way. because I did not want to get into a deep sleep, and I was worried that if I got a little too comfortable in the bed. Might I might snooze be, yeah. the alarm I, I, a few too many times. It has never happened to me in the now almost ten and a half years that I've worked here. I still I have knock that on fear. Some wood right now, bro. Well, yeah. Well, I still have that fear with every shift I do. And you know, before doing these morning shows, I did the Saturday and Sunday six a.m. shifts for a few years. Sure. I've never actually overslept an alarm for those shifts. Uh, here, you are just not more than all of it out I there. Know. Not, listen, There's wood t- on the tomorrow, trim right tomorrow in front of you. You're doing the warm up show yeah, solo. I'll be right. I'll be passed I'll take out. Your calls at eight seven seven. It's never happened. I still have this fear every yeah. night when I go to bed that I'm of not going to wake up for that. Alarm. I have nightmares about it. Oh yeah, <clears throat> I have nightmares about oversleeping. I have nightmares about screwing up updates and getting chewed out by management. I mean, I would say usually on average once a week, definitely a few times a month. You know, I don't think I don't I've ever gotten that fired in the, in the nightmares, but no, it never gets that far because I usually wake up in a panic. You know, I wake up when it's an hour, you know, two hours to my shift, and for whatever reason, I am like three hours away. I'm in a different state without access to a car, or I wake up and the car's gone and I can't get to work, <laughs> and it's only an hour. It's plenty of time to get whatever it is. It's you know, there are people that still say they have when they're adults the school time dreams. Whether it's you know elementary school, high school, or college, I have not had a single one of those since I started a working here. Time dream, like where you're late for school, right? Right. Where it's school late time. for work, okay. or it's when something is going wrong with the board and everything in the place is malfunctioning. Yeah. You hit a button, it does the wrong thing, and in the dream you feel like it's your fault. Yes. Oh, I have those all the time. Even though then when I wake up, I'm like, you know, if that actually happened, if everything was wired incorrectly, <laughs> and I hit all the right, like, I'd be totally fine. Every time you wake up from one of these nightmares, you're like, not my problem. This this would be fine. (laughs) But it's enough to terrify me and wake me up. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, no, I I only slept for maybe an hour and a half. Yeah, that's the way it goes. Got one REM cycle in. There you go. 
And you did manage to find your one of your, I'm sure, many Taylor Swift shirts here to wear this morning. I sure did. I woke up. I watched the video. It was online of her Big, announcing. She's got another re-recording coming in. Taylor's Great, version. Awesome. Okay, people are all and excited. And then away we go. Apparently, it's going to be released uh, on the same day that the first game of the World Series is scheduled to be played. Yes, uh, it was October 27th. Well, and you know what else happened that day? October 27th, I don't. 2014. I'll give you a hint. You were there. I'm pretty sure you were there. I was there. October 27th, 2014. Think about what you were doing professionally Had at the time. Had to be just something jet-related. October 27th. It was, it was a Monday. So that there's your hint. It wasn't a game. It was a Monday. It was a Monday. 2014. It wasn't the Geno. That was in the training camp. Um, Was it that season? No. That was not the... 15 seat which was the season with Fitzpatrick when he got, that was 2015 that, that was, was August 15, of 2015 14 October 27th you're gonna have to give me another hint the infamous John Idzik press conference oh and you know why I understand why you would think I'd be there oh you weren't I was there. not there oh. you wanna know why I had my wisdom teeth pulled that day Figured less painful right, than it, watching that John Idzik press conference. It wasn't, the, wasn't it the, going into a bye week, right? Yeah, that's the, why right. they played so Sunday, and that to, was the bye. I had to pick a spot to schedule this because it was like, hey, you got to get these out, you know. And I was like, all right, well, that should be a safe landing spot. And of course, they had not announced at the time that being the date for the Idzik press conference, so I ended up getting screwed. Chernoff was ticked off that I wasn't there, but it was what it was. I got home and I watched it from home, you know, coming out of the other end with. Uh, being a little knocked up on the weird stuff that they that they give you or whatever the heck it was, I don't even remember. Um, but yeah, that was, not only did I miss it, of course, it turned out to be oh, that's what it got him fired. A laughing stock and just rambled on and on and on and on. Uh, and I on. remember being in the car. My mom and I went to visit my grandma that day. I remember being in the car while my mom took my grandma into Target. I just had to come when they were done, help them with the bags. So my mom was going to give me a text or a call. I was sitting in there listening to on the it was probably aired on the <laughs> oh, fan during sure. Mike show. Yeah, listening to this train wreck and knowing just at least knowing because I couldn't stand John Idzik. Like I think all it right, was earlier in the day actually, w- but it Woody's does, that's not relevant. Woody's not going to be whatever. Then maybe it was during Joe and Evan. Yeah, Woody's not going to be able to keep this man employed after this. Yep. he's gone. And sure he's enough, gone. a couple months later, he was. He went to the Jags for a couple years and. I don't know what Mike McCagney came talked in, about drank this a lot recently. of coffee. Neither did was it with did I say this with you? I forget. What I mean, I it's it went to the Jaguars briefly. Because he was a cap guy, so he no, can still that. do the numbers. Yeah, but like I don't McCagney fell working, off the face of the earth. Is Idzik working in football right now? I don't know if he is. And McCagney's never I mean, for all I know, he's living in the woods somewhere. It's like funny because most of these guys we talk about, you get the one shot at GM. Right. If, if it doesn't work out, you know, you're not going to get the big chair again, but they go Something. back to being. They go back. Yes. I mean, listen, Phil Savage with the Jets is a consultant. He's one of Joe Douglas's Costello most tweeted on man. Terry Bradway's a right, consultant with the pain right. right now. Right These guys Terry always land yeah. on their feet. Yes. And Mike McCagnan was never heard from no. again. Or they go like Tannenbaum's in the media. You know, right, not right, that right. McCagnan would be personable enough for that, or Idzik for that matter. But I mean, yeah. Right, these guys hang on for you know Grim Dead, and they, they they keep getting hired to some extent, and they stay in the mix. And he's young. Was yeah, it's a not scout. like Gettleman, where he's old and now it's time his right. time is done. He's out of the and league. McCagna's background was as a scout, right. you know, out on the run. Maybe listen, maybe he's working. I have no, I have not heard that man's name uttered anywhere in football circles. No, since except he lost for when I'm cursing job. off the Jets. Well, and yeah, the job I mean, he these did, parts. Right. But I'm saying as far no, as connected to other teams, I, no. Like you said, even Terry Bradway yeah. is with the Panthers. It's wild, man. It's wild.
I guess that speaks to the incompetency. Yes, but and that, how bad that, that, that was. October twenty seventh, twenty fourteen. Very you, important day. Back in my to life. back days of Idzik references. Yesterday, what we were talking about. Uh, oh, the, one oh, of the, we, this the was draft off the air, with the right? Idzik twelve. When you guys oh, talked yeah, you about the twenty fourteen draft, right, right. And there, you guys were mentioning the first round picks with and Manziel, I said, right, and, and Zach, Zach Martin, Martin from the Cowboys, Odell, 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 the Giants. Yeah, yeah. And I said, and John Idzik took twelve players, none of whom could play football. <sighs> The Idzik you, you 12. Loved, you loved one of those guys, though, Jason Morrow in that draft. I did, yeah. I, I mean, I, dude, I, I liked him too I watched at the time. a ton of Texas A&M, oh, team. Yeah. he was dominant, and it just never, and ever clicked. And I was also saying it more here. for the name. Yes. My, yes, I did end up naming my son, my firstborn son, Jace. Not after Jason Morrow, though. I remember people asking me that when I put that out there. Jet fans are like, Jason Morrow? I'm like, no, no, I just think it's a cool name. Wanted to go with, honestly, we had a couple of options. We knew it was going to be a boy. And when he came out, I, we uh, Anthony was the leader in the clubhouse, and it was going to be Jay. So AJ, we wanted something to give him the option to use his initials as if he, if he wanted. And he came out, and we looked at him, and we're like, "He's not an Anthony." It was just weird. It's like it was so clear. I guess you know. I guess you just know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it, not all the time, but in this case, we were like, "No, no." That's and Jason Morrow. And right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and knowing him now and like his first, he's a Jace. He's not an Anthony. There you I go. Can you got promised it. you that. Fate stepped in, so yeah. someone helped you get it right. And we went with Tyler for the middle name. Really no family connection, but then you get the JT option. And then my youngest is Jackson John, so he's got a JJ option if he wants, but it's funny. We Which made, I'm sure you would love. Well, I don't know. I mean, listen, I have a JJ in my life and uh He's very personable and colorful and a character and loud and all those things. So I don't know. In all the most wonderful ways. Of course. Of course. Yes. I would never say anything bad about him, especially on the air, on the airwaves. But uh, yeah, we made a big stink about the initials and they're seven and four and neither of them has any interest so far in going the initials route. But I like how you did that for another day. Your name's Jace, we'll but listen, if you want to go by right. JT in your teenage years, exactly. it's there for you. Because Jace sometimes will complain that people confuse it for Chase, which is understandable. So I have to, like, you just, he, and he gets a little weird about it sometimes, and I'm like, you just got to tell him, when, hey, it's Jace with a J. Nice and confident, and there you go. That's the a good job out of you, CeeLo. Nicely produced. Nicely Give, produced Giving him that. future options. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way I see it. All right, so you referenced monitoring the Yankee game on the way home. And we'll get into this on the other side because we've got to hit our first break. But this is not any breaking news or anything, but God, do they stink. It's so bad. It really is. And you mirror that with I mean, the Severino situation from yesterday is one thing, but you also get this report from Bob Clappish, NJ.com, about how basically how Steinbrenner's made up his mind that hey, Brian Cashman's good to go, no problem, safe, not going to make any changes there. And it's just to me like, how can you say that at this point when you have all these games left? You made the big claim post deadline where you basically did nothing, that we're in it to win it. And you very well could fade off into oblivion here, right? They were 10 and 14 since the All Star break. They lost another series last night. They're back to being five behind on the loss side in the wild card race. I get that you just gave the man a contract, but at some point, I mean, there's got to be. There's got to be something that meets the criteria of saying, you know what, this isn't working anymore. Well, and if you're not going to make a change, which I can accept, then you have to get in front of the media and do more than say, well, I don't understand what the fans are not right. happy yeah, about. Yeah, why are they upset? Yeah, Because that, that, no, that's, that's going that's, the that's, other that's way. That's what, six weeks ago now or so or something like, maybe even longer. So I get it. A lot has changed since then. But well, yeah. And that's the problem when I talked a couple of days ago when we did this about the Yankees' arrogance. 
there's this complete lack of accountability. Nothing that's happened in the last six years in Yankee land, if you ask them, is their fault. Bad things have happened to them. They've been unfortunate with injuries. They've been unlucky with performance. Nothing is Brian Cashman's fault. Nothing is Aaron Boone's fault. And, of course, a lot of stuff has happened to them. A lot of it is circumstance. It's not all their fault. But someone in that room has to take step up and take some accountability. Until that happens, we talk about this in sports culture all the times. We've ridiculed the Knicks for it, the, uh, the Jets, the Giants for a very brief period kind of entered this window where they were like that. They've since corrected it. It seems like the Yankees are slipping into that now where just everybody wants to point fingers or just say, ah, we did our job out of our hands. It's not somebody has to be better. They're, they're not a real last place team because they're above 500. Yeah, well, yeah we understand But you that. have four, and if not all four, definitely three teams in your own division who are better than you, who have figured this out in a way you have not. Two of those teams are far ahead of you. So what are you going to do to get back to there? I think back to after the 2021 wildcard game when they lost, and I was working that night. And Aaron Boone made the comment about the teams in the division are closing the gap. And Susan, to her credit, came on the postgame show with Sweeney. And I mean, she would have been, forget suspended by the Orioles, she would have been fired. <laughs> right. Because she ripped the organization in a, in a very respectable way, of course. But she said to Boone, yeah, Aaron, these teams aren't closing the gap. It's been They've closed. closed it. Yeah, right. The Blue Jays finished a game behind you. The Red Sox just embarrassed you in their home ballpark and are advancing in the playoffs. The Rays, most years, are good. Like, they've closed it. They might be right there with you, jockeying back and forth, but there's no longer this distance between you and them, at least not in a positive way. And it still feels like the Yankees are the last ones to catch on to the fact that they are no longer the kings of the AL East. Everyone else is in on the joke except for them. Right. And that's kind of where we're at. Well, if Hal does, if things continue to go south and they miss the playoffs and if they for should for some reason, as we discussed yesterday, finish below 500 for the first time since 1992, and they still don't make a move, wholesale changes. I have a theory on why that might be the case. We'll get into that on the other side. You got Flelo on the fan, warm-up show on a Thursday morning. Boomer and Jerry at the top. We're coming right back after this. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Well, in the end, it's the Knicks at land, Carmelo Anthony from Denver. And Amari Stoudemire happy that he's on hand. Stoudemire addressing the media today says the team will be hard to guard now. Likes the idea of having that one-two punch. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Said I don't know if I've ever been good enough. I'm a little bit rusty and All right, Zoo. I like it. Well, Matchbox 20 bringing us back here on a Thursday morning. You got Fleegs and Lepresti, Fleelo on a warm-up show here on a Thursday, heading up to the top of the hour. Boomer and Jerry come your way then. So we got briefly into the Yankees there before we hit the first break uh, and referenced the story from Bob Clappish, NJ.com. And I'll just kind of give you the gist or a little taste of it here. Despite the mounting pressure... Talking about you know social media and fan outrage, both with uh, Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone. Uh, a source familiar with Hal Steinbrenner's thinking says the owner has already decided one of the two will be back in 2024. Cashman is safe, according to the source. Quote, the idea of firing Cashman isn't even on the table. It's not up for discussion. Now look, like I referenced before we went to the break, there still are a lot of games to be played. Stranger things have happened. We understand that. 
Um, and you don't want to really, I don't think you want to make decisions before the season's over. According to this story and this source, it sounds like that's already been made. Now, if you don't want to make a move, you just gave the guy a contract extension, you know, you want to have uh, continuity, all those things. I get it. But to say that it's not even up for discussion, it's not in consideration. It's basically like, again, thumbing the nose at the fan base. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. You reference what he said, Hal, Hal said, whatever it was, six weeks, two months ago about, you know, what, what, why I don't understand why everybody's so upset. It's just, you've used the word arrogance. I think it might be a combination of that. And also just having no feel for what your fan base actually thinks. And I get it. The ballpark, for the most part, is full. Outside of the COVID year, they make a ton of money. Brian Cashman contributes to that. But my theory on why he's been so resistant to change at that particular spot is Brian Cashman is all he's ever known, right? Hal Steinbrenner, you could make the case, didn't want to get into this. He's a businessman. And the big accusation or criticism of him since he's taken over the club has been more about business than it's been about winning comparisons to his father. I'm not even going to go that route because that's the low-hanging fruit. Everyone loves to do that. He's not his dad. He's not going to be his dad. We understand that. But I wonder how much fear there might be for Hal Steinbrenner. Like, okay, well, if I move on from Brian Cashman, then it's on me to figure out who the replacement is. And if I promote from within some name that most people probably aren't familiar with or has a connection to Brian Cashman, then the criticisms could still be the same. Hey, I went with the same kind of guy or the Cashman regime. And if I got to go outside the organization, what do I do? And it reminds me a lot of the Jets where Woody Johnson would get these consultants involved and bring in some you know outside company to try and help him, these national search firms, to try and make a hire. And we saw that fail time and time again. And I get it. Baseball is different than football. You know, different operation, um, you know, different approach, different setup, all those things. But, like, I think that Hal just wants to hang on to Brian Cashman as long as possible. Hey, we're in the playoffs almost every year. We win a lot of games. We make a lot of money. Don't fix it if it's not broke. It's almost like a security blanket for him a little bit. Well, you said it's a fear, and I think it's a justified fear. You go out there, a lot of teams, you know, how did the Red Sox do? Not everybody, but some of the guys post-Theo Epstein. They've had success, and some have not. The Cubs are looking a little bit better now, but first and ownership played a part in it in scaling back the payroll. Talk about like replacing the big right, time repla- executive that's been there a long time. A lot of Yankee fans don't want to credit Cashman. You know, Stick Michael built the team, and I get all that, but Cashman has done overall maybe not the ideal job here, but he's done a good job. Yeah, you look, can't have the, the, the winning seasons in the playoffs yeah, without calling it a good job. Totally agree with that. We're looking more at the short right. term and what's gone and on in, recent in the last years. few years. I don't think he's done a good job. I think he's made a lot of mistakes. I understand Hal's fear because there's a lot of unknown out there. And a lot of these guys, even if, you know, they're the next hotshot kid, they might seem very smart. Once you're running the show, it's a very different job. A lot of them can't handle that. We see that all the time in every sport, whether that's, you know, at a coaching level and football coordinators can't be head coaches. Boomer talked about that yesterday. Some guys are meant to be coordinators. There are guys who might be really good assistant GMs or head of a scouting department. They're mm-hmm. not built to be a GM and run an entire organization. So I get his fear, and I'm okay with how saying, you know what, one season of missing the playoffs in the last six is not going to make me fire Brian Cashman. I'm totally on board with that, even though I think Cashman has made a lot of mistakes. He's built up enough of a resume where he should get another shot, but that's where you have to step in as the owner and have a conversation with Brian Cashman and say, listen, I know you have a new way of doing things. You have to figure it out. Let's talk whether it's a year, whether it's two years. You have to figure this out 
because something here is obviously not right. It's not as well-oiled as you make it out to be. You have a couple years. You're not going anywhere, but figure it out and maybe force him to make one change that he might be a little bit uncomfortable with to get a different kind of voice in the room. Yeah, they and that's did that where this I would year, though. For th- they brought in Mania. They brought in How Sabian. much say do they really have? I agree, but I'm saying— I'm you talking know, about somebody who we know is there where maybe you force him to, hey, you know what? Go bring. I was having this conversation with somebody yesterday when we were talking about the Mets and uh, what are they going to do with Buck? And you know, if David Stearns comes in, will they hire? Will he hire his own guy? Yeah, he's an analytic mind. And I said, yeah, I really don't like that idea. But if it's Craig Council, at least I can live with it because he's run a big league clubhouse before. Think about some of the managers that, at least in our lifetimes, have run these New York teams and how much better. Those who have done the job before the have been than the guy guys who there. have no yeah. experience. Yeah. The, New York is not a place where you can learn on the job. I'm sorry, but the New York Yankees, even if Cashman thinks he built this flawless, impeccable roster, which he did not, the Bronx is not a place where you can that. just learn how to. Well, listen, you, <laughs> you, got, you, talk, you hear him speaking. I understand. It sounds like it. I know, but we again, we live and he die. Doesn't, he doesn't make changes, so he not only does he sound like it. He acts like, well, there's not much work to do here. Yeah, I, I look. I think sometimes after the decision's made and they feel like, well, okay, if I fall on the sword here and start ripping myself, it doesn't change the fact that this is what we have left. Now, I do think there's a stubbornness and sometimes an arrogance, like especially in the off season. But when I listened to Brian Cashman post trade deadline, that to me sounded like a. While he might not have come out and said, "Yeah, I screwed up, I failed," it he sounded like a beaten, defeated man. That's that's it, that was the, the takeaway. The most I interesting had. takeaway I had was when he mentioned the budget. Well, we had budget restrictions. Like, well, Brian, yeah. nobody forced you to go spend your twenty plus million dollars last year on Josh Donaldson. They just, I'm okay with Cashman sticking around, but Hal Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman, at least the two of them, maybe Boone if he's a part of it. If I was making the decisions, he would not be. But they have to sit down and come up with a two or three year plan. What is the plan for the immediate future to get them back to where they should be? And if they don't think it's fixable in a year or two, then how are you getting back to where you need to be in two or three years? Keep in mind that by that point, Garrett Cole and Aaron Judge are in their mid 30s. Yeah. They just need, to, you know, whether or not you agree with it, the Mets right now have a plan and it could completely backfire. A very it, clear plan. Right. It might not work. But even since Steve Cohen came in, that's a guy who had a plan for the first time in my life. I feel like the New York Yankees are directionless. Yeah, and, and that they cannot happen, the especially deadline. with the most experienced baseball operations person in the sport yeah. running the show. They were caught in, there's no doubt about it, they were caught in between at the deadline. You had rival executives or competing executives, you know, anonymously basically say that via the athletic. And again, if you listen to Cashman that night, in, as the Yankees are on the field post-trade deadline, 6 o'clock on that Tuesday. And so, yeah, we were kind of caught in between, didn't know which way to go. So, hey, well, let's hope that Cortez and uh, Loisica coming back is going to help us and get us over the top. And then, obviously, since then, you had the Herman situation. Severino's continued to struggle. Rodon goes down, even if it's going to be short-term, as he's throwing on flat ground and says he's going to be ready when his 15 days are up. So that remains to be seen. And that's where also you get where a lot of fans who are, like, the fans who are frustrated and know what the own no might be, know it might fail. For any Yankee fan that says, you know what, it's been 25 years, I'm done, move on. I can't fight them. I disagree, but it's it's a fair point that they make. You get their frustration because all those comments, you know, yeah, Loisi is coming back and Nestor's coming back. 
Luis Severino has been, he's in the midst of right now, it's the worst 12-starter, 12-appearance stretch in the history of the New York Yankees. <laughs> Carlos Rodon has been bad every start, except for, of course, facing the hapless New York Mets lineup. The offense <laughs> has been a joke pretty much all season, especially in the time without Aaron Judge. Nestor Cortez and Jonathan Lewisinga don't do they a single thing well. about that. Yeah, it, but it doesn't. So that's doesn't. where I understand why the fans are frustrated saying, you know, hey, well, there's one area, the bullpen, it's going to get even better. That's great. The areas where you're among the worst in the league and offensively, they're one of the worst teams in the league, especially batting average on base percentage. If Judge and Stanton aren't running into home runs, they don't score. I get why the fans are fed up. Yeah, and Stanton runs into a home run last night, but then in the seventh and inning, listen, in a you better big hope spot, he hits a home run because if he hits it anywhere in the field, yeah, he can't we know run. he can't run yeah, the bases. Right. And he strikes out in a big spot last night. They had a couple of rallies in the seventh and the eighth come up short, but you know, they were behind at that point. Severino, they tried the opener, Rowdy and Hamilton, nice crisp 10 pitch first inning. You think, all right, maybe send him out for an out. No, here comes Severino. And bang, you know, right out of the gate, hard contact after hard contact, ball in the seats, and it's a three spot for the White Sox. So. Skipping that first inning and trying to get a little bit further down in the White Sox lineup uh, obviously did not work. So the Severino struggles continue. A couple things you mentioned with uh, with the situation with Cashman, front office, and Hal and all that. Number one being, look, we, we can't accuse the Yankees of being cheap and not spending money. It's the allocation of it, the way in which they've spent it, and then it has forced them to sort of shop in the bargain bin at these other spots where we all are looking at it and feeling like it's so obvious they need to upgrade in certain areas. Obviously, left field in the offseason was a big one at the trade deadline. Really didn't address it in either situation. Um, But as we talk about the Hal Cashman dynamic or Cashman's arrogance or feeling like he's got it all figured out, the thing that we can't account for is we don't know behind the closed doors what Hal is handing to him, what the parameters are. Now, they spent big on Judge, obviously, to bring him back. That's a no-brainer. We understand that. You know, they invest in Rodon. Bang, it, it backfires. It blows up in their face. The Donaldson contract blows up in their face. The LeMayu contract blows up in their face, more so after those first couple of years. So all of a sudden, they hamstring themselves and put them in a spot where, we, you know, we want cash. Well, get this guy. Get that guy. Sign that guy. Maybe doesn't have the capability. The other thing here, the way this seems to be shaping up to me as I look at this Bob Clappish article and the way in which the source is talking about Cashman, if the Yankees miss the postseason and if they somehow finish under 500, you almost there's got to be something that's thrown to the fan base. And I feel like it's starting to set up that Aaron Boone is going to be the fall guy, right? Because he's got a year left on his deal and then an option for 2025, whereas Cashman just started this new new portion of his deal. And like, right, we always say you can't change the players. And if Cashman is so Teflon, who does that leave you? It's Boone. If there's someone's going to have to take the hit and feel like you got to throw the red meat to the fan base, it feels like it's shaping up to be Aaron Boone. Yeah, it really does look like we're trending in that direction. If the Yankees miss the postseason, I said this a couple weeks ago. I forget exactly when it was, but the thing was right around the All-Star break. If they miss the postseason, I'm now at the point where I would be surprised if Aaron Boone is back next season. Because I think Howe realizes he has to do something. Yeah, And I, I totally understand why he doesn't want to fire Brian Cashman. If I were in his shoes, I'd probably make the same move and keep Cashman around at least a little bit longer. But not only do you have to give the fans something, you have to change something in this operation. You have to change something about how this is working. You have to shake it up. You have to bring in a new voice. And if that's not going to be the GM, then that has to be the manager. We hear about how collaborative these efforts are now, how these guys work together. I might want somebody who 
clashes with the GM a little bit more. They can get along. They can respect each other. But somebody to give you that, you know, I understand what you're saying and what your computers are spitting out. Here's my read on being in the clubhouse with these 26 human beings and how I think we have to balance that. And we always talk in football, right, about the GM and the head coach being on the same page and on the same timeline. If they move on from Boone... And you're giving Cashman the... Hey, you give him three more years. Yeah, and you're giving or him the opportunity to to either he is going to have a say in who the new manager is or you're going to pick it and then put him in a shotgun marriage situation. It's a lot of roadblocks to, to get around there, especially with the way baseball works now with the front office, with it being numbers-driven and everyone coming together and being collaborative. So if they do move on from Boone, that next hire would be fascinating. You have to believe that they're not going to go the same route and just pluck someone out of the broadcast booth that's never done it before. Well, you can't. It's like I said, they, they have to yeah. hire somebody with experience. And we'll see how that jives with uh, Cashman in the front office if indeed he does stick around. And it around. almost goes to the point Boomer was making a couple days ago. You know, With all the injuries, with all the nonsense that's gone on, this team is still above 500. It shouldn't take that much for Cashman to make the slightest tweaks and have, even if they're not winning World Series and some fans are always going to be bothered by that, but winning instead of what looks like this year, maybe 80-something games, 90-plus games, getting into the postseason, making the case for keeping Cashman that much stronger. You know, They're closer to winning than I think they are to it all falling apart. Cashman just has to make a couple of minor tweaks. I don't know how minor it is, approach. though, because, I mean, Stanton's here. You're not... You're not getting rid of that. That's di- that's different. There's no, nothing, no, I know. I mean but, the way he approaches the kind of players he wants on this team. Okay, but then those little two, they're going to have to find a way to get a lot of value for not a lot of buck. Because I don't, I mean, Rodon's not going anywhere. LeMayu's not going anywhere. Stan's not going anywhere. Judge is not going anywhere. You're probably looking at potentially removing, say what you want about Gleyber Torres, and he has his, his warts, and he's not a complete player. He's a frustrating player at times. I don't think they're paying him long term. So I don't whether it's they're going to move him in the offseason or next trade deadline. And he's been their most consistent yeah. offensive player this year. So I mean, where they're going to add, how they're going to add, and the money that you know the pitching rotation, Rodon, you know, Gary Cole has been tremendous. But you know, Severino, where are we at with him? And that's why I said Herman may not ago, pitch in baseball ever again. <laughs> they need to make, they need to figure out what is the plan for twenty twenty four, five six. Figure out the next few years because you're also running out. There is. We don't know exactly how small the window is, but Garrett Cole is not going to be able and to be judge. this version yeah. of Garrett Cole forever. Yep. Aaron Judge is not going to be able to be this guy forever. You need to figure something out to whether it's exceeding the luxury tax one or two years and dialing Steve it back. All and, in. And you don't have to go to that extent, wow. but you might have to make an extra move or two in the next couple of years, try to maximize the next few years before you run out of time. Fascinating winter ahead for both uh, franchises, as it turns out, and we're not even in the middle of Ju- middle of August just yet. Uh, all right, let's take a se- step aside, take a break here. Fleelo on the fan. We come back. I got a couple of things to throw at Fliegelman uh, from his Mets experience last night. We do a little bit of football as well as we head towards the top of the hour. Boomer and Jerry, come your way then, Thursday morning on the fan. We know what we think. What do you think? Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com. I, I want to say, I think I know who this is, but I don't want to embarrass. Uh, Mighty Mighty Ballstones, is that it? Oh, yeah. Is it Mighty Mighty or just Mighty? Mighty Mighty. Two Mighties, right? You nailed so it. So I nailed it. All right. The good. impression that I get. See, now, yeah, yeah. With Zoo here, 
more right, you have a shot. Uh, contemporary music. We say you my, my should have gotten hard of glass the other day. Yeah, yeah I, again, I, I or just even I if recognized that nineteenth nervous breakdown. Identified the Stones, Mick Jagger. Yeah, I, I probably would have gotten there eventually. I like it's a lot of songs sound for like I, I I recognize the sound of them. I'm just not always great with the uh, the titles no, I'm and joking. or I'm the, the same way. artists or the bands. It depends. Some of them come right to me. Also, like, we're '90s kids, kind yes. of. So many songs from the '90s and mid 2000s, especially like 2000 to 2005, they sound very very similar. That's In true. Yeah, of, the style not the, the, and the voices could be. Yeah. Confused for one but like another. when they did when they did the name that tune with uh, Spike and Al. Did, did you see the footage of that when they did that? I did. Yeah. So, you know, they were basically playing a second or two of a song essentially, and the one that tripped up Spike at the end was one that I actually knew instantly, which was "The Way" by by Fastball, which is a song that I've listened to you know hundreds of times growing up. So, and the beginning is obscure because it's kind of like someone's like searching, it's on, like the searching radio. on the radio. The static. Yeah. So that, that was, was like the, the first giveaway. now CD. Which was my first okay. CD as a kid. All right, when I got my uh, first like radio boombox, which I still have. Now one. Now well, it was just called now. Now, and there yeah. ended up being how many of them? Like 30? there's a lot. We looked it up recently. There's <laughs> th there's a lot. Now that's what I call music. Yeah, yeah. I had those as well. It wasn't my first CD. My my first two that I like purchased with my own money because you got. I'm what five years older than you, six. Yeah. Right. So I had cassette tapes as well. So like I had. Uh, I was big on MC Hammer, one of my first cassette tapes. But as far as CDs go, my own CD player, and this is going to be so random, right? Spin Doctors, talk about 90s alternative pretty much. That one makes sense. And I, at the same time, also bought, bought Hard Day's Night by the Beatles. <laughs> two very nice, different nice directions there. there. Those were my first two. I just That stands out as a memory uh, that I'll always have. All right, a couple things for, for I want to ask you about being in City Field last night. Uh, one of them being, it sounds like... Um, there was some uh, fan royalty that was featured on the scoreboard oh, throughout yeah. the course of the game. You fill us in on that a little bit. So early in the game, before the game, they show a trailer for Hard Knocks, which got me pumped. Then during the game, on the heels of Hard Knocks, they had a fan, and they said, we're going to do some Hard Knocks trivia. Uh, Mike Janelle said, you know, if you were talking about this or gold member, he mentioned a couple things from the show, and then you would, you know, you probably saw Hard Knocks last night. You're talking about this today. Let's do some Hard Knocks trivia. Then they ask, who is the Jets' all-time leader in passing yards? Which, of course, has nothing to do with hard knocks, but the choices it's were... Jet, Jets trivia. Right. Joe Namath, Chad Pennington, and our very own Boomer Esiason. There you go. So Boomer gets a name shout-out on the big, uh, giant digital screen they've got there at City Field Now, of Field course, he was night. not the right answer no, here. No, but they, they put Joe him on there. Right. At least they included him. Right, they included him. They didn't go with, you know, Mark Sanchez Right, and that felt like a nice little nod to, hey, who of this group still has... Ties to the New York area, yeah. and is on every day. It's Boomer, and then later in the um, in the game, they do they call it carbon copy, where they show you a celebrity and they pick somebody out of the crowd who looks like him. They did Christoph Waltz, and the person looked a little bit like him. They, they've had some is real it bad. I don't know who Christoph Waltz yeah, is. The actor. Um, I mean, let me let me get yeah, a face would, here. See if I know who that is. You would know, him, but while Christoph while you look him up, Waltz. Um, he was uh, in Django Unchained. Didn't see really? it. Two-time no. Oscar winner. Is that right? Oh, he yeah. He was a Bond villain. Okay. Yeah. I he don't... was in um the movie. Oh, man. Why can't I think of the Tarantino movie? Isn't that what he's just... Jang... Oh, okay. Glorious Bastards along with Django okay. Chain. Right. Um, so they showed him. The guy looked a little bit like him. They showed Maria Sharapova and the girl they picked from the crowd. I mean, I was like, oh, is Maria Sharapova? Really? Dead, they he, got like, a dead she, ringer yeah, really... for Sharapova again, they, in the they crowd? They did a few of these during the season. 
I've seen it a couple times. Then they put up the big grinning headshot of one Mike Francesa. <laughs> and, you know, because it's the last one in the game, I've seen places. Now, it hasn't happened at City Field yet, at least when I'm there, I don't think. But, you know, when they do the last one, sometimes they'll show like that actual person in the stands. And, of course, maybe not this year because of how unwatchable they are. Yeah. But we know Mike has tickets to the match. Yeah, you're we know thinking where he could have been right. in the it's building. It's possible that they could have shown you know, sitting next to Green okay, Wright. I was there. And they don't. They show some other guy who had his hair. He didn't look a ton like Mike, but he had glasses on, and he had his white hair slicked back. So he had parts of him that looked like Mike. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because around me, uh, not a lot. It was still mostly like cheers and laughs. Couple people booed. Couple which boo- took, I was going to ask Mike, what the reaction Mike would laugh was. laugh it off and say, "Yeah, you still listen to every word oh, I said." Hundred percent for thirty yeah. years. You waited um, on hold for two hours. To and boo. then I was sitting next to two. You know, my family was all on the the left side of me. I was at uh, the last seat that we had. These two much older gentlemen to my right, and you know they were pointing like guys out during the game. You know, kind of base. You know, baseball fans, but you know, talking about the kid Brett Batty for the Mets. Uh, you know, so not confidently great with, making right. mistakes. And he points to his friend. He goes. That's Mike the Mad Dog. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, that's why you're a clown. Bye. <laughs> Bye. I, I just sat there like chuckling, like, of, of course. Yeah. Like, right. With all the confidence in the world. Right, I, know what right. I know what I'm talking about. No, you don't. No, you don't. The other thing I wanted to ask you, because this is sometimes the difference between watching at home on TV versus being there. So it might have been a completely different feeling and experience for you. So ninth inning, Ottavito gives up the home run. He comes out of the game, and here comes Phil Bickford, right? And he gets himself into a jam. It's bases loaded. I forget now who the final, Ian Happ was the final hitter, right? And it comes down to, it was I believe, was it a 3-2 count? Did it end up a 3-2 count? I don't remember I don't if it know did if or it was not. A, but, no, I think it was 0-2. Right. No, okay. it was 0-2, then he wasted one pitch. Because Happ fell so it wasn't 3-2 because it, it got to a point where SNY was getting very um, dramatic with the camera angles they were showing. Like They were using all with these the different boxes. Yeah, You had Buck, you had the crowd, you had Bickford, you had Happ, you had the fielders, you had the runners, and there was like... Quick transitions and everything. Does somebody want to tell SNY that the Mets players already quit on the season? <laughs> well, they're the good good time to try out some of these new features that they have, right? See what works and what doesn't. It's almost like a spring training game. So they end up with a zoomed-in ISO on Bickford, and sure enough, the pitch clock's ticking down. Three, two. Oh, I saw one. it. And, and I'm Alvarez yelling. I'm like, jumps yes. up. So we didn't we didn't have to look at Alvarez as it was happening live, and I was like, throw the ball. You're gonna. Get... I remember and then seeing it because he when, is a dead sprint out to the mound like, after Bickford he called timeout. At one timeout. point, gets the ball. There's 14 seconds left, and he like looks down. He kind of turns away from the plate. You're like, well, that's not great. This yeah. guy had, you know, he's a, he's only has <laughs> bases loaded in a one run game. He had one career save yes, before that, so right. he's not used to this spot. He's probably a little bit nervous. Like you know, this is an audition for him, uh, a chance to show his stuff, and he completely loses track of the pitch clock in an inning where Adam Ottavino made the third throw over and didn't pick a guy off. Right. It's the first time I can remember seeing that this year because it results in a balk. So, you know, the guy's stealing second on out of, you know, anyway, he gives it to him for free. And, yeah, good job by Francisco Alvarez. Very good job. something he's done a couple Alert. times this year. Yeah. With multiple pitchers. But in that spot, you know, it, it, this is not a, a 1-0 pitch in the third inning. This is ninth inning. You can't afford an automatic ball there. Yeah, I mean, I, I just love that he was on top of it and was so you know, like, hey, throw your arms up. You think that's going to get time? And he's like, no, 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 that's not good enough. I'm going to like legit dead sprint out there. Right, and that and that's the way he does it to make it clear, like, you know. Yeah, no, be, so that there's no right. in between. There's, there's no debate. There's no discussion. I have one last thing for you on uh, Bickford. So Bickford and Mendick. I think a lot who, of. What's, how do we pronounce the guy playing first last night for the Mets? You said second, a ruse? Yeah. What is it now? A ruse. Is oh, he ended up at first, though, didn't he? 
Who was at first late in the game that I didn't recognize? I, I thought the, Pete was still at first. I no, didn't see, no, no, they, oh, they, they did. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Maybe it was. Hold on. I was sitting on the third base. Side, Maybe so it first was. First base was very far away from me. Let me let me correct that. Um, you know what? It must have been. He must have been covering. That's what it was. He must have been covering. I think it was on a bunt, and Pete came down. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what it was. I saw. I'm like, who was that over at first base? But that's so. It's a, a, a ruse. Is how we're right. Okay, I'm not so, familiar anyway, with because I know word. we have to get to Amy Sportsman in a second. Yes. Ottavino uh, comes in. The, there's you know these finance bros behind me. They you know again they're geniuses. They know everything about the sport. Uh, oh don't worry. You know Rayleigh's coming in. Rayleigh's coming in. If Ottavino can't get it, and I as a Mets fan, I'm thinking, ah, eh, Buck used him for almost two innings the other day. Threw a lot of pitches. I don't know if he's now. I don't understand why he pitched that much Monday, but I don't know if he's available. If they make a move, might not be Brooks Rayleigh. Bigford comes out of the bullpen. They announce him. Guy goes to who the bleep is yes! Bigford? Yes. I actually rolled in the and major never, league. He goes, I've never yeah. heard of this guy. I was going to drop some of the names from last night's lineup and do the major league. Yeah, who are these bleeping guys? Yeah, that's, it has that feel right now a little bit. Obviously not when you're talking about Alonzo and Lindor and McNeil and Nimmo, but some of the guys that are running out there right now, yeah, that's kind of how it feels. Yeah, He got yeah. the save. Yes, he did. Found he was just basically throwing fastballs exclusively, but he got the job done, so good for him and good for the Mets that they get a series win over the Cubs who came in as one of the hottest teams in baseball. All right, final break. Amy's Odyssey Sports Minute arrives now, and then it's Boomer and Jerry at the top. It's the dynamic duo of Al and Jerry. The superheroes of WFAN. Except it's Flelo wrapping it up on a Thursday morning. I'm going to keep saying that because Boomer, he, I heard him, he said somebody in the network newsroom, he hates it, but it's all he's talking about it. And also that's all that matters, right? As I long as you're Flelo. talking about it. Flelo. Uh, so, Boomer, there's you on the uh, scoreboard you go. at, at City, City Field, Field last night. night. You're on the trivia yeah, question. No, yeah. Well, that's okay. No. They put you on there, though, right? They showed they showed respect. They put your uh, name I think up it was there. Kind of a shot at me. No, no. How is it a shot? Those are two jet grades right. they put you with there. They could have oh, put Mark Sanchez. You up are. There. That's my point. They could have put a lot of guys. They said who who still is a New York yeah. icon? Who's still here every day? It's oh. Boomer. Oh, that's very nice. I of think you guys that was a compliment. I love the attack of the Narps. Yeah, that's right. At six a.m. in the morning, I love it. Uh, so I said we were going to do football. We never did. So after we all gushed and waxed poetic about the Jets and hard knocks and everything's great and Aaron Rodgers rocks and everyone loves him, there's Rodgers yesterday. we got to shore up these tackle spots in a hurry right here. I mean, that we talk about legit problems and people want to say Super Bowl. I mean, they do have some questions to answer at that spot, no? It's a real problem because yeah. you don't. It's not just one tackle spot right, right. now. And Robert Sala still says that Dwayne Brown's fine. He'll be. Yeah, I mean, he's coming. Dwayne back, Brown right. is also a million older. years old. Yeah. He wasn't great last year. Right. I know he was hurt part of last year, but love the mentality. You know, they, he wants act, to keep playing. That's all great. They but, act yeah. like oh, he's fine. This is DeBrickishaw Ferguson in his prime. And yeah. It's uh, you have big question marks at both tackle spots right now. Yes. Now the interior looks pretty solid and steady. So that's good. Especially as far as the run game goes, you would think that'll be a good area for him. But hey. This quarterback's gonna have a big year. Gotta keep him upright, obviously. Like, yeah, he yeah. might Rogers might be friends with Billy Turner if Billy Turner is getting run by the Turn Bills style. and the Cowboys right. and Micah Parsons is throwing him around like a rag doll. Aaron Rodgers might not love him so much. Yeah, anymore. I think we might quickly see another side of Aaron Rodgers, which is good. Like, you know, he's not here to be everybody's buddy and best friend. Like I knew it was a Corey Davis talking about. He's been patient with us thus far, learning this offense, but I have a feeling that that could change soon. So right. they've, Max, they've got some work to do. Max Mitchell played okay last year, but he's coming back from an injury. He's in his second year, and Makai Becton, maybe by the time the regular season starts, can play 20 snaps in a game. I mean, that's that's what it feels like we're I trending mean, towards right now. Hopefully WFAN, WFAN-FM, WFAN-FM HD1, New York. Always live on the free Odyssey app.